Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Rich in Grace series, which walks through the book of Ephesians, discovering the incredible riches that we have in Christ. We hope this message will be an encouragement to you, and we'd love to hear how God used it in your life. Let's take our Bibles today. Let's go to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians in chapter number two, Ephesians chapter number two this morning, and we are going to get right back in our series, uh, Rich in Grace, as we're studying out the book of Ephesians. <clears throat> I, uh, when I was a kid, I enjoyed playing some sports, and I wasn't very good, but I enjoyed playing. Well, let me say it again. I enjoyed sitting on the bench and watching other people play the sport, but I enjoyed practicing and playing. But probably my favorite sport to play growing up was basketball. I love being involved in basketball. My dad was a really good basketball player. And so I thought, man, I want to be a really good basketball player like him. And uh, <clears throat> something happened though in my basketball days is I began to realize that my, the, the playing of the game, me, me as a player, I wasn't going to get a lot of attention that way. I wasn't very good. And so one of the exciting things to me about basketball was the shorts I got to wear. And here's why. Mom would take me to the fabric store and she would say, pick out any fabric you want and I will make your basketball shorts. Now, listen, I have no idea why my mom would let me wear such things, but I wonder if you could pick which one you think is me. (laughs) It is the only person with shorts that will cause you to go blind. (laughs) I'm the one on the right, if you didn't figure that out. I went through pictures. Listen, my mom, she would, let, she would do this and let me wear these shorts. But you know what the shorts were? They were like my bold statement. I was proud of my shorts. I didn't care who laughed at me. And actually during that time, people didn't laugh. This is the 90s. Like it was cool. I don't know. All the fads of the 90s need to be thrown. All the fads of the... Never mind. I'm not even going to get into that. Man, I would get out there in my bath. I thought I was the coolest thing with those shorts on. And I made a bold statement with my basketball shorts. You ever noticed how kids are when they wear clothes they're unashamed about? There's, there's a lot of kids that they wear clothes that they're unashamed about a lot. I have my children and Micah here. The other day, he personified this in our lives because he came upstairs And he was in his Spider-Man sweatshirt that he literally wears every day. Like we have to say, when's the last time you took a shower and have you washed that sweatshirt recently? He's like, yeah, yesterday, man. Really? I'll go do it right now. (laughs) But the other day he came up in his Spider-Man sweatshirt. He was like, hey, dad, you like my sweatshirt? I was like, yeah, it's the same sweatshirt you've worn for like a year. He's like, check this out. (laughs) Spider-Man. He was like, I know. And just walked away, man, that bold statement, it's, a, it's that, it's that uh, hero, that superhero, he's proud to wear that. It's like those little girls that dress up in princess dresses all the time, they, everywhere they go. I was walking through a, a yard sale a few weeks ago, and uh, there was some little girls running through, and they were wearing these Disney princess dresses, and you could tell, like, they thought they were the characters. They were just, they were all in, they were making a bold statement, proud proud of what they represented. 
We've all certainly seen people wear or display something because they're proud of it, proud to represent maybe at the, you've, you've been to Disneyland and you've probably seen people, maybe you haven't, but you've been to Silverwood or something like that and they have the bright orange or bright pink or bright, bright blue shirt on and it's like, you know, there's a whole group of them and it says celebrating Kevin's 16th birthday or the infamous uh, I'm with him, I'm with her t-shirts and it's pointing at each other or the, uh, the one, we, we were at Disney World a few months ago, and there was a whole family, I and mean, there was like 60 people, and it's like Smith Family Reunion 2022, and you see all these people like walking around. They're like a gang walking through Disneyland, you know? It's, you, got, you got grandma with her cane like walking through, and she's looking at you like <laughs> Smith Family Reunion. You know what? Those statements, they're proud. They're bold to make a statement. They showcase something that they're proud to represent. This morning, I want us to see from scripture that God desires that we would showcase something. Not in an article of clothing, not in a, a costume that we might wear around to play a part, but God is interested in using your life. He's interested in using my life. He's interested in using the life of the church to showcase his grace, to show the world how good God's grace really is. This is what Paul writes about as we come to our next part in our study in Ephesians. Take your Bible, if you would, and let's stand together. Ephesians chapter number two. Ephesians chapter number two, verse one through 10. Ephesians chapter two, verse one through 10. I just noticed the references messed up on the slide, so you'll forgive me for that. Here's the verses that he said, and you hath he quickened or made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy... For his, great mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, he hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. And he hath raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that or so that, or in order that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace... Are you saved through faith? And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. This morning, we are going to be challenged not in showcasing a shirt or a family reunion or a favorite superhero. This morning, I want to challenge you to make a decision that this week, your life would be a demonstration of the grace of God. I want to tell us what that means this morning, and we're going to look into this passage. So let's take time to pray, and we'll get right into it. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, would you take just a second and ask the Lord to speak to you? You can pray something simple, just God, please speak into my life today. God, please speak into my life. 
And then make the commitment, God, if you speak to me, I'm, I'm going to listen to you today. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you again for the 11th anniversary of our church. And Lord, we praise you for all that you've done. We worship you for all that you're going to do. And Lord, we're thankful for just exactly what you have in store for us in the future. But Father, I pray that you'd help us to uh, not look to the future right now, but simply look to right now. That we would have a mind to listen and a heart to, uh, to hear from you and pay attention to you. Lord, that you would capture our attention I pray, Father, that you'd give me clarity of thought and direction as I speak today. And Lord, that you'd help every single one of us today, help us to respond to your spirit and to hear exactly what you have for us as individuals. We love you and we thank you for your love. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can go ahead and be seated. <clears throat> as we come back into our passage, we know that Paul, the Apostle Paul, is writing a letter to the believers at Ephesus. If you've been with us in our series as we've gone through this, of course, Acts chapter number 19 rehearses for us when Paul would spend time in Ephesus, up to about three years that Paul would be in Ephesus ministering to the people and seeing people saved. Of course, Ephesus was known for the worship of the goddess Artemis or Diana, and you could go and discover a lot of things that took place in Acts 19 as Paul came in and began to preach the gospel to and literally thousands of people begin to trust Christ as Savior and turn to him. And, and many of them would join up with Paul in the cause of moving forward, moving the cause of Jesus forward in the city of Ephesus. Well, fast forward 10 years. 10 years later, Paul is sitting in a Roman jail cell, the Mamertine prison. He's about to go before Nero and give an account of his travels and why he was traveling. I believe that this time... Paul would go before Nero and Paul would, uh, would be excused. He would be forgiven of, of his uh, crimes against the government at that time. And then he would be out for another couple of years. And then ultimately, Paul would be in the same jail cell as he would be facing, uh, no doubt, death. And he wrote the book of 2 Timothy, that letter to Timothy. But here you have Paul in this first time in this Mabertine prison. And he's writing to the believers at Ephesus. And he hears about all of the great things that God is doing. He hears about all of the people that are continuing to trust Christ and the growth that is taking place and the faith. You can go read the first part of Ephesians. He is just like, man, I praise God for everything that is going on there. But I want to write to you, and I want to remind you, this is the, the theme of the book of Ephesians. I want to remind you of everything you have wrapped up in Jesus Christ. Hey, when you got Christ in your life, if you've put your faith and your trust in Jesus, he did not just give you Jesus. He gave you everything wrapped up in Christ. Well, what does that mean? Well, Paul, he wrote to them a few things, and we've been going through this. He wrote to them, I want to I remind you what God says about you, what God thinks about you. Hey, we need to know that God knows that, or God thinks this about us. He adores us. He values us. If you were here that first week, we talked about the value that God places upon us. God adores us. God adopts us. Adoption we are at, at salvation, we are born into the family of God, John chapter three says, but also at salvation, we are adopted into the family of God. Now, someone might say, well, what's the difference? If you're born, why do you need to be adopted? The adoption points to the inheritance that God has for us. 
that everything that we have in Christ, we don't have to wait to a certain age to, to get it and to have it become ours. No, we are adopted in the family of God. And then we notice that God accepts us. And we, we kind of hit on this phrase, God accepts you and me in spite of you and me. <laughs> and let's be honest, how many of you know you have flaws? Don't raise your hand, don't raise your hand. Man, we all know that we have flaws. You're, some of your spouses are raising your hands up for you, you know? Man, we all have flaws, we all have sin, and yet God accepts us. We also saw what God gives to us. He gives us forgiveness. He gives us a great inheritance. He gives us understanding, and he gives us the Holy Spirit. And then last week, we were challenged by Paul to get to know God. Paul's prayer for the reader, I'm praying that you would get to know God because as you get to know God, you trust God more. And as you trust God more, you take faith steps more. And as you take faith steps more, God, use you to, God uses you to impact people more. And so Paul wrote, hey, church at Ephesus, just get to know God, get close to God, get in his word, be around his people, allow yourself to not just know who God is, but to know God. And what a great challenge to us. And that's one of the reasons we come to church and, and spend time under the preaching and teaching the word of God is so we could get to know God. But this is not our only time to get to know God. Hey, every day, every day, God wants you to get to know him. How do I do that? He gave this to us. This is his letter written to us, his love letter written to us about him. Every page, every black and white letter, every red letter, if you have a red letter edition Bible, everything, it just points to him. And this is our way of getting to know God. Hey, I hope you took time to get to know God this last week. If you didn't, quit looking back and this week choose to get to know God. Well, as we come to our passage before us this morning, we're going to be challenged in what I said a minute ago, showcasing God's grace. But in order to see this, I want us to notice what Paul writes to these readers, because he writes to remind them about a few things. Number one, Paul writes to remind the reader, I want to remind you who you were before Christ, who you were BC. I want to remind you of the BC you. I want to remind you of who you were before Christ. Well, what does he say? Look at verse number one. Here's what Paul says to kind of summarize it. We won't read all of the verses. Paul says, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. And then in verse two and three, Paul would go on to describe these trespasses and sins. You see, the fact of the matter is that before salvation, a person is dead in trespasses and sins. We're not physically dead. We are born spiritually dead. We are unable to uh, understand spiritual things. And just as a person is physically dead and does not respond to physical things, so a person who is spiritually dead cannot respond to spiritual things. This is caused, this is called being dead in sin, trespasses and sins. Paul said it this way in Romans chapter six and verse number 23, that we have the wages of sin upon us, that we have the consequences of sin upon us. What is the consequence of sin? It is death. Every one of us know this, that we choose to sin. That's every one of us. If you don't know that, just go spend some time in the nursery today. I talk about it often, how you don't have to teach kids how to sin. 
When we, were, when we were first starting the church, I remember one Sunday, I pulled little Dennis up. He was probably about five years old or six years old. I pulled him up here and I set him right here. And I was like, I do not have to say, little Dennis, this is how you tell a lie. Because little Dennis, just like little Dennis, just like the other little Dennis when he was little, just like little Micah, just like little you, you didn't have to be taught how to lie. You didn't have to be taught how to, how to say something rude. You didn't have to be taught how to hold bitterness in your life. You didn't have to be taught how to hold unforgiveness. All of that, we are born with that. We are born sinners. Adam sinned, and so sin, because of Adam, passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. That's what Paul's writing about in Ephesians 1. Hey, you, have to, hey, you were dead in trespasses and sins. In verse 2 and 3, talk about all of the world around us. He said this, where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom we all had our conversation or our life in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Paul takes time to help the believer understand, before you got saved, everything about you, everything, listen, everything about you, and everything around you was against God. We still live in a world where there are three ways that we kind of face sin. And Paul talks about all three of those in that, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Man, the world is the corrupt culture around us. It doesn't take, time, take, it doesn't take long to realize that culture isn't getting better. Like, I don't know about you, but I don't turn on the TV. I'm like, oh man, there's so much hope in this world. You know, scrolling through like news, whatever your news is, Fox or CNN or MSNBC or Newsmax or whatever. You don't scroll it and you're like, oh yeah, man, this is awesome. This is so encouraging. Hey, have you guys heard? This is great. Gas jumped 30 cents in one night. Yeah. You don't do that. Why, man? You, look, you turn on news, you know what most people do? Forget that, man. I'm turning that off. Why? It's discouraging. Man, it's depressing. Hey, what is that? That's the culture around us. There's the world. There's the flesh. Hey, just because you know Christ, you, you and I, we still live in this stuff. And this flesh desires sinful things. And we face those temptations because of our flesh every day. Oh, if you know Christ, you have a new nature. That nature within you is the Holy Spirit. You don't have the sin nature anymore. Okay, you can't have two natures. You have the nature of the Holy Spirit living in you, but it's like a chicken or a snake. If you cut the head off of a chicken, what's that little body do run around? That little body runs around a little bit more. If you cut the head off of a snake, that body still slithers a little bit. Hey, the day of your salvation, the head was cut off of sin, but your flesh just doesn't know it yet. It's still moving around a little bit. It's still following sin. There's the world culture around us, the flesh. That's what you and I live in. And then the devil and his demons. Man, we all know. He's the prince in power. You read it. We're not gonna refer to this. We don't have the time to do it. You can read it there in verse two and three. The prince in the power of the air. Hey, he is still in control and he's still trying to trip you up and he's still trying to cause you to, to back away from the Lord. He knows that if you know Christ, you can't lose that salvation, but he knows that if you quit following God, your impact might be decreased in the life of 
someone else. And maybe that coworker that you're praying for won't come to know Christ because you quickly gave into the devil and his demons and his temptation. And so we have these three things that tempted us before. And the fact of the matter is, here's what Paul is saying to them. Hey, before Jesus, you were hopeless. You were absolutely hopeless. You were condemned. You were dead in trespasses and sins with no hope. Jesus said it this way in John 3, 18, when he said, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed the name of the only son, the only begotten son of God. Every single human is born at this spot. We are born sinners separated from God with no forgiveness, with no joy, with no relationship with God. We are destined for hell. We are doomed to be separated from God for all eternity. We are helpless and we are in complete need because of our sin. We are completely and utterly lost, hopeless, helpless people. Do you remember it? Do you remember when you, before you knew Christ? Don't you think for just a minute about before you knew Christ? Do you remember how you felt when you went to bed at night? Do you remember the hopelessness? Do you remember the fear? Do you remember the times of going to work and wondering, is this all there is? Here's what Paul is saying. I want to remind you of who you were before Christ. But notice the next two words in verse number four. The two words are this, but God... Hey, here's, here, here's where you were. You were destined for a hell, hopeless in a situation. But Paul says, I want to remind you what God did. Hey, I want, I want to remind you what God did for you. Why don't you think with me just for a minute about what God did? Paul says, hey, but God, God who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, He hath quickened us or made us alive together with Christ. By grace are you saved. And he hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Hey, I love those two words, but God. I love those two words. Why? Because here's what Paul is trying to say to you, and I hope that it would ring ring loud and clear this morning with every single one of us, that before Jesus, you were dead in trespasses and sins, hopeless and on your way to a devil's hell, dealing with all of the guilt and frustration and the lack of joy and the fear and all the emotions that come along with it. But verse number four, but God didn't want you to stay there. So Paul is saying, even when you, even when you were dead in your trespasses and sins, he gave his life for you and he was buried and he rose again from the dead. And now he sits in the heavenly places and you have a spot with him. That's what verse four, five, and six are about. I absolutely love those two words, but God, but God, I won't talk about this long today at all, but I'm going to try. One of the hard things of today with me is is the fact that this is the first church anniversary. My dad's not here. First one for me. And we're watching the video and my dad comes across the screen and I'm just like, you know, I'm kind of in the moment, man, that's awesome. You know, I'm not even thinking about it. Then my wife reaches over and kind of rubs my arm. And I'm like, stop it, stop it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, and I'm starting to get emotional or whatever. And I'm like, all right, laser focus, laser focus. And then I come down after the building thing and mom leans up and she goes, how'd you do seeing dad on the video today? I'm like, shut up, woman. <laughs> I'm just kidding, I didn't say that. 
How dare you think I would say that to my mom? I didn't even think it. I just did right now, but I didn't say it, all right? Man, I'm going to get myself in trouble. Is it warm in here or is it just me? No, I, I looked back at her and I said, honestly, mom, I'm just staying laser focused, laser focused. But my dad, one of the things that we found of my dad's after he passed away was a little notepad that I still have that I will keep as long as, as it will not corrode. And it's this yellow notepad that my dad had where he wanted to write a book. My dad has been uh, working on notes for a book for a number of years. And the title of the book was simply, But God. But God. And on these notes, my dad always used the emblem for Alpha and Omega. If you know what that is, it's a circle with a line through it, Alpha and Omega. It's just the beginning and the end. And, and, and all over this two pages of this certain particular notebook, there's just a little... The word but with an arrow and the alpha and omega symbol. And it's my dad's cancer story. Cancer six times over 10 and a half years and all of that. And he would write a line, you know, I got diagnosed this time and this and this and this. And then you'd read the words, but God. Then you go a little bit further, diagnose the second time and this and then this and this is, but God. Third time, but God. Fourth time, but God. Fifth time. But God, man, the running theme in my dad's life was always this, but God has a different story. It wasn't, but God healed me. Look at this. Apparently he is healed now. He's in heaven. He's not dealing with it, but it wasn't, but God healed me. It was always, but God had a different plan. Hey, this is where my dad got it because it started with salvation. God had a different plan with you. You were born in sins and dead, spiritually away from God, but God. What did God do? Hey, God loved you. Hey, God loved you. Right? That's what it says. But God, who is rich in mercy, wherein in his great love, he has loved us. Hey, God loved you too much to leave you there. And love is one of his intrinsic attributes, his love. God is love. And we don't love him because we love him. We love him because he first loved us. And God loves us. Listen, God loves us as we are, but he also loves us too much to leave us there. And he loved you as a sinner, but he loved you too much to leave you there. So what did he do? God stepped in and he quickened you. God quickened us. What's that mean? He made us alive. Hey, if you put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, you know what God did? He breathed into, into you spiritual life. It means that he gave us new life. John 20 verse 31 says, but these are written that ye might believe in the name of Jesus, or the, excuse me, that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that believing in believing, ye might have life through his name. Hey, we are made spiritually alive when we receive Jesus Christ in our life. Why are, we do, why are we made spiritually alive? Because God loved you. And when you said, when you bowed your head or you were in your car or you were at a church or you were at your doorstep or you were in a, a, a kid's vacation Bible school or a Sunday school class or you were at the workplace or wherever you were when you bowed your heart and you humbled when you bowed your head and you humbled your heart or maybe your eyes were open and you were looking up to heaven whatever you did when you said God I want you in my life I recognize I'm a sinner and I ask you to forgive me of my sin and to come into my life and save me you know what God did he came into your life and he saved you he didn't say okay now here's your 12-step program he didn't say okay now here's the phases of salvation and 
how it works. No, 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 no. Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8 says that when you became born again, there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. When you trusted Christ as Savior, new life came into you. You are no longer dead in your trespasses and sins. No, he loved you and he quickened you. He made you alive. And now you see the world through a different paradigm. Now you look at this world and you realize, you know, there's a lot going on in this world, but I sure am glad that he sits on the throne. I sure am glad that this world is not my home. I sure am glad that God has a different plan for me. And now you look at marriage differently because now it's not about me and her. It's about me and her and God being the point of this family. Now you look at your kids and you don't think, you know, I just hope they really would serve, would, would grow up and be a good cop or a good fireman or a good doctor or a good nurse. Or I hope they really grow up and be a good accountant or a real estate agent or whatever the case might be. No, you look at your kids and you think, man, I really hope they grow up and love God. Why? Because you're looking at it through spiritual lens. Now it's not just I'm flipping burgers at the store, at the McDonald's. It's not I'm working that line. It's not I'm doing my job. No, 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 my friend. Once you trust Christ as Savior, you are made alive. And now I have purpose in going to work. It is because I am alive in him. What did God do for us? But God, he loved you. But God, he quickened you. But God, he exalts you. He exalts you. Do you see where it says that now that Jesus is set down in the heavenlies, it says that you and I are with him. Well, what does this mean that he exalts us? We are united with Christ and we have been exalted with Christ. We are sharing his position in heavenly places. Our physical position may be on earth, but my spiritual position where I will be when I die is one day in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Hey, my friend, you have heaven waiting for you. You have an eternal position waiting for you. The the old song says, this world is not my home. I'm simply passing through. What am I, man, I'm just an ambassador that's here for a little time and then I will be gone away. Where will I go? I'm not going down in the dirt. Oh, this flesh will go down in the dirt and it'll decay. But you know what I'm gonna be spiritually? The Bible says that you and I are gonna be in the heavenlies with him. Hey, what does he do? He exalts us and lastly, he keeps you. What does God do? He keeps us. Since we have not been saved by our good works, we need to realize that we can't lose our salvation by our bad works. Grace, it simply means unmerited favor. It's undeserved. Grace means that salvation is completely apart from any merit or work on our part. Grace means that God, he does it all in you because of Jesus. It is the gift of God. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves, not of anything you do, It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Hey, how'd you get to heaven? Well, uh, I was a really good dude. I helped people do this. I did this. I gave this much in church. How about you? Well, I didn't give that much in church. I don't know how I'm here. It's not of any good works that you do. It's all because of him. You know what this tells us? Salvation is kept and it is held by God. Well, what's Paul doing? Hey, you were dead in sin, hopeless, without eternity in heaven, but God. We were dead in sins, destined for hell, without hope, but God stepped in. 
This morning, I want to say those words are not just part of your salvation. Those words are part of the incredible story that God has for you every day. You see, life, life throws a lot at you, doesn't it? Life throws a lot of frustrating situations. Life throws a lot of controversy and challenges. Circumstances can seem out of control, but God. Struggles are real and seem overwhelming, but God. People can forsake me and walk away, but God. Don't forget about those two words because those two words, they describe a little bit about God's love for you, the life he has for you, and the future he has for you. If you're going to walk away with only one thing this morning, walk away with two words, but God. Paul says, I want to remind you who you were. You were without Christ, destined for hell, dead in your trespasses and sins. But I want to remind you what God did. He loved you. He gave you life. He exalts you and he keeps you. And third and lastly today, I want to remind you why God did it. Paul writes, I want you to know why God did it. Go to seven, verse seven, down through verse number 10. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith in that, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For because we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. I love how one man says it. And so I'm going to read his quote. God's purpose in redemption or salvation. It is not simply to rescue mankind from hell, as great a work as that is. His, God's ultimate purpose, listen, his ultimate purpose in salvation is that for all of eternity, the believers might glorify him and show the richness of his grace. Hey, salvation is by grace. That means it is completely on him and not on us. God does it all because of Jesus and none because of us. Salvation is the gift of God. It is a gift, not a reward. It can't be of works. It's all that God does for us. And now God wants to use it to work in us and through us. You see, now now you, listen, I love verse 10 You as the believer, you are the workmanship of God created in Christ Jesus for the purpose of good works. Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven. Hey, listen, oh, oh, I hate how time goes by so quick. I want us to understand, and I want you to catch this this morning, and I really hope that I can convey it clearly. When you got saved, that was just the beginning of the story. When you got saved, God was like, now I can go to work. Man, now I can really work in you and I can give you the fulfillment you need and the joy that you need. Salvation is just the miracle of a moment, but the discipleship, the fellowship, is the process of a lifetime. Hey, God didn't save you so that you could just come to church and fulfill a seat. God didn't save you so you could just go to work and kind of do your thing through the week and then give God a couple hours on a Sunday. And if pastor goes a little bit long, then maybe it might be two hours instead of one and a half. And man, God, look at 
me. I really dialed in this week. You know, God didn't save you for that simple hour. No, 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 my friend. God saved you so that every day of the week you could be an example, a picture because of how you live and the words you speak and the, the, the kindness that you show and the spirit that you have. Hey, God saved you so that your life could show the world, hey, he's a good God that is filled with rich and he is rich in grace. The series, his rich in grace, his grace is never going to run out. God's never going to look at you and be like, I'm bankrupt. Sorry, you did too much. God's not going to look at you and be like, eh, move you over to this side. You know, you're on the, you're on the bad down and outside. You're on this. Side. I can't help you anymore. No, God is rich in grace. And God desires that your life would not only show forth being saved by grace, but that phrase we've looked at before, to be strengthened by grace. Hey, God wants to work in you. And as I said ago, a minute ago, salvation is just the beginning. God desires to use your life as a picture of grace. He wants to use your life to show this world how good he is and how his grace is sufficient. He wants to use your life. Oh, this is so good. He wants to use your life to show this world what forgiveness really looks like. And when that neighbor or that coworker or that friend betrays you, God says, as you forgive them, I will use that forgiveness to show people I am forgiving. God wants to use your marriage to show the world what, a, what, a, what, a, what his love looks like for somebody that sometimes seems unlovable. And God says, hey, use your marriage to show people how good I am. And God wants to use the words that you speak to people, the grace-filled words that you speak to people to show that, hey, God speaks kindness into my life and I can forgive and I can move forward and I can be kind all because of the goodness that I have received from God. God doesn't leave you where he saved you. Salvation is just the beginning. Think about Lazarus. I love the story of Lazarus raising from the dead. What a great story that is. But you know, after Lazarus, I mean, Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth, right? And there's Lazarus. Now, if you don't know, let me fill in some of the like imagination side of it. I've got a great one. I'll help you with it. They would wrap people up almost like a mummy. When they said Lazarus come forth, he came out bound. Now, one of two things happened. Either A, they had wrapped his legs separately and he's bound walking like this, or B, I don't know, or C, like he just like levitated out and God used that, like, I don't know. But I do know that when he came out of that grave, right, move the stone, but God, it's been four days. By now he stinketh. <laughs> I, love the, I love the King James on that phrase right there. By now he stinketh. I just think that about my kids sometimes. Man, by now you stinketh, bro. Like, go take it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> by now he stinketh. Move the stone. Lazarus come forth. He comes out, and then you know what Jesus said? Loose him and let him go. Hey, Jesus didn't leave Lazarus alive in the graveyard. There's a lot of Christians still living in the graveyard. There's a lot of Christians who have new life, but they're still wearing the grave clothes. Well, what do you mean, pastor? They're not experiencing the fullness that is in Jesus. Jesus. 
They're not walking with him. They're not following him. They have life. Lazarus come forth, but they're still there. And it's like the grave clothes are still there and they're just kind of existing. Hey, God has more for you. God has more for you. And so stop living, out of the, stop living in the graveyard and move out of the graveyard. He desires to use your life to showcase his grace. God desires that we as believers and that we as a church would showcase his grace. And I want to tell you this morning that you, need, you and I, one of the best ways to help us with this is to remember who we were. Remember who you were, that God saved you and God, he stepped in. Remember the phrase, but God, I was bound and hopeless for sin, but God stepped in. And God desires that you as a believer would use your life to show people how good he is. And I want to say it today and we're done. God desires to keep using our church to showcase his grace. <clears throat> I recognize, this morning I recognize there are other churches in Moses Lake and there are other good churches in Moses Lake. I'm kind of biased. I think Moses Lake Baptist Church, the best church there is in Moses Lake. But I think I should be biased. Now, are there other places someone could go in Moses Lake and I'm fine with that? Yeah, we have tons of friends that come to church. There's people here this morning that may go to another church faithfully and today's just kind of a day you're here to celebrate with us and I'm thankful you are. I'm not downplaying any good other church in Moses Lake. But I know that God called me and my family to start Moses Lake Baptist Church. And I can take you to that morning of the first service and I'll reflect and talk about it all tonight. I can take you to the nerves and the frustration and the fear. I can tell you, I'm gonna tell you about the errors. I'm gonna tell you about the mistakes tonight. I'm gonna tell you about frantically looking for a, no, I'm gonna tell you tonight. I have to tell you tonight. <laughs> but God called me to start Moses Lake Baptist Church. And our goal in Moses Lake Baptist Church, and you see it on the bulletin probably every week, is real life, real people, real change. I don't want our church to be made up of a bunch of fake people. We've all been around fake Christians, right? What do fake Christians do? They come, they come to church, they wear really nice clothes sometimes, sometimes they don't, but they have that Bible and they're like, hey, how are you? How you doing, man? Praise God. Praise God, great week. And then you see them on Monday. Like, well, blankety blank, I can't believe that you're in there. Man, they're just all over the place. And then you walk up. I'm the pastor. I get this, man. I've walked up to the people and they're cursing somebody out, doing something, smoking, drinking, doing stuff. And they walk up and it's like, pastor, so you're like, so pastor, I was just praying. <laughs> I'm like, why is it when the pastor comes? I'm not the Holy Spirit. I'm not trying, I'm not trying to make light of that this morning, but listen, I shouldn't want to live right Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I shouldn't want to follow God those days because someone's around me. I should want to follow those. I, want, I should want to follow God those days because, but God. We want our church to be real people going through real life, but because of God, we're experiencing real change. Hey, what if our church determined, you know what? We praise God for 11 years. I'm thankful for it. But God, we're moving forward. God, we reflect upon your goodness, but we're gonna represent your grace as we move forward. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. 
And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.